Rock and roll. Kia ora everybody. What's up? It is Rhett. Welcome to another show. Now we're talking music. Very lucky to have a musical weapon of sorts that has um, helped all sorts of famous artists, which we can get into in, in a minute. Um, Francis Dickinson, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. I'm, um, yeah, I had like a, I had a little bit of a resistance to the to the bubble, but um, I've, I've got to the other side and I'm kind of loving it. I'm not going to lie. Now, for those that aren't aware of established music, who you are, what you do, how you're rolling, where you fit into the ecosystem, uh, tell the viewers and listeners a little bit about um, about yourself and, and the game that is music. Well, I guess I work in a specific area of the music industry. My job is to work as a development coach. So I work with uh, singers and songwriters and I help them upskill um, professionally, um, often when they're coming out um, just as emerging artists and help them um, put all the skills together that they need to go in and have a really successful career. And you've been fortunate enough to, to talk through, now's the time to, to name drop a few great big names which you've, which you've worked with. Who would some of those be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's, there's Lord, that one always is a popular one to, to talk about. Um, yeah, gosh, you go and check my website. There's a client list, you know, there you go. There's, there's a few. The, now, what do you? I was, before you, I can't sing, I can't draw. I'm yeah. uselessly creative with anything creative, but I'm, I, I am interested in the art behind the art, like the the nuances of you know. So, say, you know, sports is, I guess, more my thing. But you know, the like video analysis someone will do on. Um, so when I was a snowboard instructor, and I could, I could, I could look at someone and I could see angulation of a knee through pants a hundred foot away on the right. Like these, all these weird things that you, these these worlds in in the the singing or, or or music game is it is it more timing, tone, pitch, cadence? Like what what are the kind of like how do you craft like when you look at it because it, it's 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 an art, right? It's a, I, I totally respect, I can't do it, but I totally respect it. I mean, how would you describe what you, what you do? Do you know what I mean? Go there. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's no different if I'm honest, like you're, you're essentially training the muscles of your body to do specific movements to get an outcome. So I think that's one of the fundamental myths about singing, um, is that you're either born being able to do it or not, but how many hours did you put in to be like really good at snowboarding? Like, Put in a few, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's exactly the same. And you know that, and you know, and that's, I think that's one of the things I love most about my role is that behavioral science and the, you know, the, the stuff that goes behind the application of singing and what I'm teaching. Singing is the subject, but teaching people how to build new habits in their bodies is, is the key. Um, and how to muscle, you know, how to muscle memory bank new, new skills. That's, that's essentially mm. what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, and I and I just say that you know yet you can't sing yet, but you could if you wanted. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll move <laughs> on to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I sing when I'm at the pub and these really, really, really big speakers, and I've had a few whiskeys, and then I think it's good. But apart from the rest of it, I, I think I'll, I stay in my lane. I'm very good at I stay in my lane. So what I was quite keen to to maybe kick off about is, um. COVID-19 has fundamentally shifted every type of business, business model, regardless of your employee, employer, any different vertical, any different industry, absolutely anything, it's changed massively. Now, before we went into lockdown, um, I like creation, I like content, I like media, I, I love consuming, like live live music is a big, big thing for me, like I absolutely, absolutely love it, you know, if we're on holiday, going down at five o'clock to the front, 
to the to the bar and watching the live music go on like just the the, the feel of live but I had a funky feeling I had some predictions about the lockdown I said I think we're potentially going to have when you put creatives and you lock them in a room and you force them and you just leave them there shit will get created because that is exactly what they do and what's come out so i was thinking there's going to be crazy new tiktoks there's going to be um like battle streams of um, like djs will be doing stuff and i had all these different things but i thought i also thought the same way there was um you know war finished everyone came back home and a whole bunch of people got got born in the 1940s 50s whatever after world war ii I was thinking the same thing would happen after this where a whole bunch of new creative and ideas and art and 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 concepts and music would come out of it. What were your predictions before going into lockdown or what you thought would potentially happen when it became especially around maybe just creativity or music? Did you have some initial thoughts or what was your what was your headspace there? Do you know what? I'll be really honest. I was in a reactionary state at that point. I wasn't even thinking forward. Right. <laughs> I'm really lucky in the sense that my work, because I work with people all over the world, I'm already online. So it's not a huge shift for me in my specific niche of the industry to keep creating and and keep doing what I'm doing. But um, what I can tell you is what I've seen as a result of lockdown. And, um, you know, it's not surprising, like you say, like everybody in the music industry, they're just a big bunch of creatives and they're all used to having to be, um, you know, flexible and dealing with change and your income is up and down. That's that's part of the gig, right? We, we, we choose this because it's a, a vocation in a way, I guess. So you've got this, you know, and I know I know bands that have just went into lockdown together. They're like, we got to find a place. Uh, uh, kind of like that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I'm seeing I'm seeing um, people that I know, like clients that I know, all releasing videos and songs and things like that. Or, um, you know, people are doing new things like um, Facebook lives and interviewing each other. Um, I love um, Ed Wacker's doing Enoho, which is a beautiful Friday night set where he's inviting on some singer-songwriters. So everybody's just gone bored. I'm just mm. like really impressed and proud of everybody. It's it's yeah. an amazing response. It's um, for in the in the vlogging slash vlogging world. One of my other predictions was that you know if you put creatives in a room with blank walls, they will go and create. It's just what they do. It's what will happen. You put a keyboard there, shit's going to happen. Next thing you know, I'll be live streaming on Facebook. Simultaneously, I th I've also thought it's going to be a great filter for those who whose worlds were interesting, but they weren't. Like a, a, a vlogger or blogger that does something and they go to the parties and all they need to do is just put the phone up and then that's the job done because the, work, the, cre the creation was done for them and they just were there opposed to them doing the creating. And I've been really interested around the filter of, of the shakedown that when you put creatives into a spot like this, now when it's like, cool, you've just got a webcam and a microphone, go. Yeah. No fancy parties, no fa no private jets, no flipping, you know, um, butt shots down at the beach, none of that other bullshit. It's just like, what can you create now? And I actually think from a creator's side, maybe not a musician's side, but from a creator's side, it has whittled out so many people because then all of a sudden they haven't, they've realized, I actually can't create. Oh, actually I'm not, oh, it was that, not me. I, I was called by default, not I was the thing. And so I'm wondering whether within, like at the end of this, I think musicians are going to come out on top. 
a lot of the weaker creators are going to drop but then there's going to be these other people that either maybe have humor or comedy or whatever that that pop up to the surface too and get their expression out how do you think this has uh has changed the music game how do you think it's changed it like from a at a macro fundamentally the biggest issue that musicians have right now is how they're going to earn an income they were never i don't think any of us were ever on like a huge amount of money coming in so the way it's changing is i guess we're going to have to figure out or you know musicians that relied on live live shows are going to have to find a way to um generate that income online through streaming or um you know private online gigs i'm not sure um yeah, that that's a big part of it. What was your question again? Sorry, how do we? No, no, no. How does how does the game change? How how do you think the game's changed? I think you, you, it's it's so right now it's tougher for musicians to have uh, consistent revenue because most of the time potentially it's either up or down. Now it's even more so. But when you zoom all the way out and you and you fast forward, do you think business models will change? You think like what do you, what do you think has will change in the music industry after this? Less artists signed, more creators direct on youtube as its own thing like what do, what do you what's your what's your take on the music game oh look i think it's going to be like you know power to the people i just you know everybody at the moment that i'm seeing that's reacting in a in a positive way and that's being proactive are all just independents taking control and they're just yeah. making choices you know i mean what else what else did we did people do as musicians anyway that's that's pretty much their mo so um yeah if you and i think I think I relate back to what you're saying. It's like if you were just in this for, um, you know, the the brand and and to look cool, then you're gonna drop by the wayside. It's the people that have like the the credentials that um, the past record that show that they can work hard and keep recreating themselves and reinventing yourself as part of being a musician. You know, so I don't think this is I don't think this is out of the norm, but it's just how do you you know as already um, a, a sub culture of New Zealand of, of people that already don't earn a lot of money mm. for doing something that's really valuable how do we support them with that and what does that look like because I think your point about that sensation that you get about seeing music live oh. you know is we can't recreate that I'm sitting in and listening to a lot of the, the evening shows and I love it um but it's it's not quite the same so do we just switch to a new normal you know it's like coaching people people were always um reluctant to take a, a class online but now everybody's just accepted it as the new normal so will will that happen will we all just go okay we're just going to adjust and enjoy it through our laptops i don't know yeah i think i've been wondering about this a, a, a bit and when you've got the option to go to something or you've got the option to see something you always um, it's easier to see, but it's tougher to go. But the experience of the going has got more depth, right? Depth over width. Then when I think about a moment like this, I'm like, okay, would I, would I right now pay fifty bucks to watch a live stream of Drake? Uh, probably not, right? Because I could just go to YouTube and I could just watch everything. But if I put on a VR, if I was at lockdown at home and I put on a VR headset to sit and move front row and physically be there virtually i would probably pay 20 bucks for that if he was live virtually and i was there so i think there's going to be this different layering of and i just came up with this then but i was just thinking about of like what would i pay for i wouldn't pay to see it 2d i would pay to go immersive if it was live 
um, I wouldn't pay as much. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one because even at that point, right? I, I, don't, I don't know if that's back my point up or, or, or not, but you'd pay three thousand bucks to go to a Singularity University uh, conference for two days, or you can watch the stream on YouTube the next day for free. But there's a thousand people there. Why? <laughs> you know, so maybe oh. there is that there's that intangible little piece too. Yeah, you you wonder. But I do just just maybe just quickly just back to you you were saying about the um some of these these independents versus the uh, ones that are signed. Have they? Will there be different approaches for how independent artists come out of this commercially compared to those that are signed? Like well, I I don't know how all that stuff works, but well, what, you know, what's your take? The um the, you know, the route is a, a development deal, but that's that's very um, rare nowadays because, you know, everybody's producing music at home. So really labels, um, you know, for the last 10 years, even more maybe, have just been looking more for artists that are more fully developed that they can sign straight away rather than putting them through a program. Um, so I, I don't know how, how much that's changed, but I do think, you know, like it was interesting what you're saying about access to music. And, you know, one of the things I, I recognize and, you know, I, I live I live north of Auckland, but that would be my main city. And one of the things I recognize is that we've got so much option to go out and experience live music, but, um, you know, because there's so much overlap. So it's some in some ways, you know, you some artists will suffer because of that, because there'll be somebody, you know, with a higher profile on on the same night that they're playing but you know maybe maybe the internet's gonna sort that out and stack it up differently so we access things in a in a more um organized fashion um but the other thing that was really interesting that you said about the immersion experience for me it's nothing to do with visuals it's actually to do with sound so if i could lie on the floor with like surround sound maybe we're all just going to get fucking awesome speakers you know, or I, I don't know, maybe there's going to be some new technology that comes out that really gives us that. Sound is depth. interesting. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, like for me personally, like I'm, I, my sensory processing is quite different. I have synesthesia. So I see sound and I, and I, oh, synesthesia. It's just like a, it just means two, two wires in your brain are crossed. And you, so you get a different sensory feedback um, than, than your average person. So, um, cool. You know, the classic thing is that it's a mix of senses. So for me, it's I hear sound, but I see color when I when I hear sound. So so my experience of music is is sensory, quite rich and different. So um, yeah, so when it comes to experiencing kind of like listening to live music, you know, I'll only go to a gig if I know that the sound quality is going to be really good and that the mm. the venue is really good. So maybe it's actually technology is going to give us some of that you know, on a more regular basis. I don't know. And in terms of That's those artists that are signed or not signed, you know, everybody everybody needs a helping hand and the music industry in New Zealand is beautiful. We have this amazing community. I've seen all of the organizations stepping up. I've just received an email this morning again. You know, Music Helps have raised 300,000, was it? I think they've raised a lot of money. Um, you know, recorded New Zealand are putting everybody's returns through early so people can access their money. Like there's been a huge response. So, and I don't actually think that's different. That's how we roll. We're mm. a community of people that are all looking to support each other because we've all been at some stage at the bottom of the stack or the top of the stack because you kind of slide around. So I, I think, you know, I think the record labels will have a part to play. I'm not quite sure how that will change for them but as a community i think i think we'll you know come out 
I hope we'll come out reasonably unscathed. Well, I, I, there's this, it's always interesting because when you look at, I guess I come maybe from more from a business lens with sprinkles on top, but from the business lens that people have come from, it's been very much like, let's get that rolling. But the sprinkles is the sport, the entertainment, the going out, the music, the, you know, that experience. And there's been this word that has been keeping popping up this last couple of weeks that we've been doing these is around um, hyper-local resiliency, around really backing the local guy or girl, going to see, you know, Steve that makes the best extra hot mockers with, you know, flipping marshmallows from the cafe on the corner with the shitty sign. It's like just really by choice drilling down to support that those people and um you know uh, david downs who was on the show as well he set up sos cafe which is essentially a website which cafes can go and sign on to and then all their customers can go and pre-buy discounted vouchers i believe it is or vouchers for it and you know he had over like half a million bucks in a week or something which is incredible and it's that thing of okay well if they're going to back the local there do you really think that it, I, i'm almost feeling as well that that escapers and the, and the sprinkles is going to be really wanted to be like Let's go down and watch that live show. Let's go get a, you know, get a glass and let's go have some snacks and go check this thing out. And I think to redefine the experience about it, but the same thing's happening with sport at the moment too, where, and we had uh, buddies in the sport mix saying, you know, the product has been average for a sport experience from a customer side for so long. Now is the perfect time where they can reimagine what those worlds look like and do it. Obviously they're talking about, you know, 50,000 people, yada, yada, yada. But then I wonder with, with what it will be for music, I think there's going to be even, it's clear that there's a big, loving, connected, um, respectful ecosystem of music in New Zealand. This next wave will be like, cool, now how are we going to help them? How are we going to support them? What are we going to do there too? Do you get more hopeful or less hopeful about the future of New Zealand music after after COVID? Maybe one from a community side and one from a commercial side. Um community side i there is a, a definitely a, a realism about the struggle that's going to happen and that there's some people and probably not going to come through this or need to you know choose choose a different path i think i don't know that everybody's gonna get to the other side in one piece um and that's just the nature of the game i think in general with music but this has put a squeeze on um commercially i i feel hopeful i feel like the world has been looking for ways to upskill in terms of how we access things and you know if you can i'm not gonna lie if i can lie on my couch with some candles and listen to a beautiful live stream um of an artist who i love would i be prepared to pay money for that yeah i would and it, and what else am i going to be spending my money on anyway if i'm sat at home self-isolating mm. you know i think i think we do we do really love our artists and we do really that you know the thing they're really good at is building a relationship with their audience they have followers you know they build communities around them because their music touches people and it changes their world so i i think that's got value and i think that that's what will you know succeeding well surely I'm imagining all of the labels that have artists make a majority of their cash if they're on these these deals or whatever from from touring and concerts and gigs. I'm, I'm imagining now that that cash is dried up, surely they'd be thinking of of platforms to commercialize in e-commerce. Is it you know virtual touring companies? Is it like I mean they've got to be down this road from what you've the people that you've talked to or the, the, the landscape that, that you're in and the conversations you're having, has any crew 
been talking about that type of stuff? Like, is there, do you think it will come from the, the artists will create their own startups that are tech? Or do you think the, um, the big dogs that have the big brands and the logos are going to do their thing and, and simultaneously lock in virtual um, things as well, like a live nation or whatever else as well. Like how do you, that's quite interesting actually. I, wonder yeah, you... yeah, I think, um, I think there's already evidence of that. You know, I, I think the musicians, um, the musicians are just rolling how, how they are, but you know, like Vodafone and Spark, they're all putting on this virtual tours happening right now. You know, um, they're all putting on shows and things. So I think it's I think it's the big guns that are going to come in and provide the platforms because at the end of the day, you know, musicians have to be left to, to create and be musicians. Otherwise, you know, if they start having to create a tech startup, is that going to help them create or is that going to just take time away from their their art? You know, the other mm. thing that I think is really interesting about this though, because I was watching like last night billboard were posting um clips you know of all of these artists like taylor swift you know lady gaga um all responding and you know videos of them at home on their pianos just playing songs and you know something that i think is really uniquely valuable about this world situation that's happening right now in the music industry is all of the pomp and the bravado of the the brands has been stripped back and people are just being seen for who they are and i think ultimately that's one of the most valuable things that um that can be accessed right now because we all look to these artists because we see something in them that we love and that we feel empowered when we listen to them or whatever it is and we all want to feel connected and have some kind of you know relationship with them and so seeing, seeing these artists actually become real people, I think that's probably one of the most inspiring um, and empowering aspects of what's going on right now, because all of the little kids and all of the teenagers that are sat around going, you know, will I do music? Will I express myself? Will I create and put something into the world? Are seeing their idols become real? And that becomes a much more, um, a, a much more connected step to take for them, becomes much more tangible, I think. Yeah, Totally agree. My as you were, as you were yarning, my headspace just went to the new models, and I was thinking that you know at the moment the, everyone's going very lateral, right? There's just so many different plays that have been had. Everyone's making these power moves or rest of it. And I was just thinking as you're saying that, I'm like, wait a second, why wouldn't Spotify launch? You've already got the subscription base for audio. And they've they've gone and made a whole bunch of acquisitions into podcasts. They've got music podcasts. Why wouldn't you then just partner with the same artists to do like a live virtual com concert upsell directly into it and a live album release show that would then go? But then for them, it's a new revenue stream. They've already got the artists. They then align up the the thing with it. Then they get a new revenue stream because they basically are commercializing a new format, right? Totally, totally. And they've that's they're interesting. The the, it is interesting, and they're the guys with the power and the brains to do it. You know, we need to let everybody play to their strengths. Mm. Uh, well, it's a different you know. format, right? Like they've got mm. they've got the audio format, but then mm. the touring company has a thing. It's like, well, if you can't tour, and like I, I saw a report, was it last week, saying that there won't be any Coachellas or music festivals to at least 2021. Like all done, gone burgers, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, holy shit, that is absolutely massive. So then you wonder, maybe instead of a touring company, maybe it's Spotify just, just launches its own... I mean, surely they've got thought about this, right? Like, or YouTube does it because they already, now Spotify would have more of a shot because it's audio first, mm -hmm. then video is the upsell. Mm -hmm. YouTube is, they haven't made it pop the same way. So I'd probably go the other way. So I was just thinking out loud. That's not a dumb idea. It's pretty good. 
Yeah. I'd, I mean, I'd pay for a live streaming album. Like if you knew that at like seven o'clock, you'd flip in Drake or, you know, Yo Gotti or whatever. I mean, obviously our, our music track list might be a bit different, <laughs> but if you could watch them at say seven o'clock and, and you could watch them release the album live with them in the studio saying, I would pay, I would probably pay more. I would actually probably pay more to then stream it after to be able to watch them release it live. That'd be cool. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I guess we need to wait and see what everybody wants as well. You know, the the people who listen to music are going to have to give some feedback on how they want to receive it nowadays, I guess. I just tagged in Spotify into um, the LinkedIn stream. Just yeah. so I like to timestamp some IP in case this thing pops, I can then say I was historically correct with the idea. <laughs> I'll back you up on it. I was here. So, you were there. <laughs> So how do, what do you think this means now for management? How does, how does, uh, what, what happens there? Cause they only get to like, it's quite a, for, okay, maybe let's run back. For those who don't know how the music industry works in a mm -hmm. nutshell for an alien, give us the, give us the, the 101. For an artist, for, for an for established an artist. artist who's out working. Well, um, I can tell you that some, you know, some big names manage themselves, but not everybody does. So um, you, you generally um, work with a manager who will help you do things like organize your studio time. So your job as a musician is to write your songs and, and get to perform them well. So polish up your skills. Um, your manager will be responsible for helping you organize gigs. You will have um, a booking agent for that. You will have a publisher who helps um, bounce your tracks out into you know TV and film. Um, and then, yeah, so I guess, I guess the truth is that every successful artist has a team around them of people that are helping take care of all of the admin and the, um, the logistics. So in terms of management, you know, I, I, you know, just thinking off the top of my head, uh, a conversation I was having with a manager the other day and their artist, I think those relationships are really important because they, you know, and when I'm on a, when I'm on a development journey with an artist too you kind of become part of their family so it's not just that they're turning up doing you know like emails it's like they're actually going look you can get on this plane and you can go and make that album in LA you know or they're flying out with you to do it so there's there's definitely um relationships in there that are key to people feeling able to go out and do their job I guess mm -hmm. but how they how they're gonna make their money like management is a cut you, you know, you have a contract and you you basically get a cut of whatever the artist is earning. So again, it's all just going to, but I, I can't imagine people just cutting and running. Um, you know, these relationships are stronger than stronger than that. So it will just be, a, a, again, everybody will be redesigning, reimagining how they're going to move forward. And that works two ways, you know, like if you're an independent artist currently with no management support, then finding people to move through your blocks with will be challenging but if you've got a manager to back you up that's a really valuable thing so yeah it's just going to be about reimagining so if you could you know read like clean slate the entire music industry start it from scratch no one's signed no one's not signed but everyone's mm -hmm. at home and everyone's creating from zero what would be the two things you'd do differently holy moly um every artist yeah. instantly owns its own masters go to That's blockchain owned question. by the public yeah how how does that how does that work like my brain just goes 
because there was <laughs> yeah. Well, well this is the, it's <laughs> always interesting because you're, you're in it, you know, you're so in it. And yeah. I'm like, all right, if none of that existed, what would, what, what would music look like? Yeah, or like, yeah. what would you what would you do differently? Because you like say within media at the moment, I take the power back. To it. I take the power back to the artists. Yeah, right. That's what I do actually. No, it's really clear. Like, there's been, you know, um, the, the music industry um, exploitation is the word that is bounced around in contracts all the time and and stuff and and it's and it's true. You know, like the the big majors that are um, making money out of out of artists and getting you know, big cuts of their earning, that's that to, to jump from being in an independent to being in that position where you're actually making good money and touring or releasing whatever, it's a big, it's a big gap. So I would be wanting to put the the power back with the artist because, you know, if they're good, they'll succeed, right? If we're all on a level playing field now, um, and that their, their creativity is, is, yeah, if it's good, they'll, they'll get out there. So on that note, I don't know much of the ins and outs, but a 360 deal is good or bad? Depends on the artist. Depends what you want. Mm. So do you mean like a 360, like fully signed, doing all of the promo, doing? Everything. I mean, I, I've never been signed, not in music, but I've just heard mixed reviews about this 360 thing from someone that's in the in the game. You know, I, again, I think I do. I really believe it's down to the artist and what they want. You know, what's your vision? Do you need a team around you 24-7 to help you manage all of the the things that go with, with your career? And because you can't handle that because you need to just have the headspace to do one very simple thing, which is to write your songs and, and sing them. Um, or are you the kind of person that likes to be fully in control and you've got the skills to make your albums at home? So... Again, it just, it really depends on the artist, I think. Mm. And I'm just wondering what potential new 360 deals will look like from from labels after this, you know, where they're going to find that other revenue, where they, I mean, just it's, you always follow the money and you, you always find interesting ways that people with more of it structure it to try and keep more of it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know either. That's a, that's a question for Scott or for record label people. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not really up there with that stuff, but yeah, they'll, be thinking, they'll be thinking about it and redesigning, I guess. What do you think is the biggest, like, misconception about the music industry that people in New Zealand wouldn't know? Like, what's one thing that people would have not a flipping club about? Like, what? How little money successful artists earn. Ooh. Funny you say that. So, so I'm from Aranui Christchurch and Scribe was from Aranui. And when he went gold with the Crusader, um, I thought gold meant a million copies because I was, you know, right. young. And then I thought, oh, no, platinum. Maybe it's platinum with a million or whatever. And then it wasn't until years later, um, DJ Severe um, was giving me the 101. And he was like, nah, bro, I think it was like, you know, gold was 10,000, platinum's 15 or something. And he's like, so I was like, wait a second. So you can go triple platinum and you sell, I don't know, like 40,000 or some shit, whatever the number was. And he was like, bro, like they would still be a hundred percent like on the bus and stuff like that. They might, they're not getting, they're not millionaires. Like if you, so, so go there, like give the 101 for what people don't understand about the, the little amount of money that visual, visually successful artists have, but the reality being not so much. 
Well, I guess you've got to. I guess you've got to take a look at where the income streams are, right? So you know, live music and gigging. And again, you know, you've got to have. Um, if we're talking about within New Zealand, okay. So referring back to your um, gold and platinum, um, that's all. It's all um, population proportional. Does that make sense? So um, in other countries, it will be different numbers based on how many people. I believe that's how it works. Um, but yeah, we're a small nation, right? We're not got a lot of people, so you know, con the consumers. There's not a huge out, a huge amount out there. So, um, if you wanna you wanna do a tour, um, you've got to try and fit that in around everybody else that's wanting to do a tour. And whether you're like um, a mainstream pop artist who's gonna get, you know, who you've had some TV play, so people will know who you are and actually come out and see you, or whether you're a new up and coming artist, those like that's one in you know income uh, stream touring then you're looking at selling your uh, CDs or your music so that's all moved on to digital um, and you've got to have like a significant number of plays on Spotify to start actually making any money you've got your I mean you do get live music returns through Apple if you play your music live but again it's not a lot or if anybody else plays it live um, recorded music, collect uh, revenue for your music being played in places like pubs or restaurants. But again, that's going to be going down. That's not going up anytime soon. Um, yeah. So, so how do how do people really make them their money in this small country? It's it's a big, mm. it's an ongoing journey, I guess, and it's consistency of work. You can't just put a track out and it do well and expect that to keep you going. You've got to constantly be recreating and putting new stuff out. And I think the other thing that's really common here is that we tend to have like a portfolio of jobs. So, you know, I think I referred to it earlier, like one of my one of my really good friends and clients, he plays really uh, successfully in a band. They've done like huge shows around New Zealand, but he also does pub gigs to help supplement his income, right? Um, other people might work part-time at a music, um, at a, a music organization like APRA and do 20, 20 hours there. And then, because if you're not the artist and you're just the band member, you know, then you're relying on the artist being really popular to get your income, mm. you're ending up and playing keys. Um, so it's a much it's more a patchy. Yeah. Um, Aaron Lloyd, uh, one of my bros, he's one of the main partners at Minter Allison Rudd wants lawyers. He's a, he's a weapon. He said, um, set up a record label slash agency as a collective for artists so they all share in the profit and non-artists shareholders don't take the profits. Oh, surely that's been done before. That's interesting. Yeah. So what, I, I, are, what are they doing there? So, so you set up a record label, but the as a collective, so all the artists... Yeah. Um, all sharing the profit, but non-artist shareholders don't take the profits. Yeah, so well, you have philanthropists in there that really just wanted to help out, I guess. Mm. Well, there's always talk about you know the future of of money with blockchain this and so on and so that and crowdsource this and so on and so that. I mean, music in many ways has a very similar issue to the problem that um, you know media has right now in New Zealand. You know, there's great journalists that create, but they can't get paid because the media companies have. Um, some bad business models which don't make it financially viable and they get you know bailouts and this and that and under and yada 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 so there's always this funky tension between the creativity and the commerce right and mm. you know the creators like don't sell out man blah 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 and at the same time it's like yeah but you know you need to make you need to buy in to make money to do the thing so there's this i think that tension's always going to be there I, it's just very clear that potentially within music 
and obviously media at the moment too that I, I guess I know a little bit, um, it's not as good as it, um, as it potentially should be, which is interesting. But also I think it's interesting what you say about, um, you know, crowd crowdfunding because that's been that's been going on for ages people have been um getting their um their communities their their fan bases to fund their next album that's that's not uncommon so maybe those processes are just going to become more of the new normal and more clear mm -hmm. moving forward maybe there are you know things that are already set up that just haven't been utilized fully that are now going to become you know really really vital i'm wondering if if I was labels right now, I think the play I'd probably do is go and buy a collective of these little startup y tech things to own their own platform and then do it yourself because you've already got the, the talent in it. You'd have to, right? Or you partner or a collective of. Actually, I've got it. If I was them right now, I would look at what Apple did when they first did iTunes, which was they got the collective of the labels together to say, hey, I'll create the platform. You've already got the thing and we do the rev share split. Surely the exact same thing must be happening right now where all the labels are like, cool, well, what do we do about touring? Okay. As a collective, you know, do we, do we go into this thing? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe there's a play there for title with Jay-Z with what he's doing. I mean, shit, I, I'm not in the music game at all, but from the outside, there's similar things which you can kind of pick. But, but on that exact note, Franz, I was going to ask, um, the development and education stuff that you're doing now, is it, what percentage of your your work is virtual? Hundred percent. Oh wow! Just the, the entire thing. Yeah. Oh, well, wow. I mean, yeah. So I mean, that's that's something I've been doing for the last few years. I um, I've been able to make myself available to a lot more people, and I work like I say, I work with people outside of New Zealand as, as well as within. Um, but it's also that thing. It's like you know, if I've got clients overseas on tour and they need mm. help, you know, like that's you know, getting up at 2am in the morning to take a call from wherever is not, um, it's not my, my normal day, but it's not unheard of. So it's, it's really about being make, you know, how could I make myself available to more people so I can actually do, do my job and help them. And is and it, it was really logical to go this way. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's, I was just going to wonder in this, in this world, is it, do you choose kind of who you work with? Do you figure out like, where you feel that you can take them and you obviously get the fit right like how does it work with 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 pairing and matching for what you do to it's just you know these you know people go to the gym but they want a crossfit guy here or they want a so-and-so there like how does it all work with that sort of side of things look i i 100 agree like it's all based on that personal connection and i don't really work with anybody who i don't i first of all don't work with anyone i don't think i can help um and i don't really have that i feel like i can offer something to most people but um but they've got to really see value in what i'm teaching and then in, in what i'm advocating in terms of like choices they're making about their vocal or songwriting development um you know i've done a lot of research and, and been my own guinea pig you know for many years before i started coaching i mean it was a it was an accident that, that i actually started doing it to be honest um but just loved it so you've got to you've got to have a really strong relationship and i'm i'm part vocal coach part life coach part counselor part all of the things you know going through any kind of journey is is like got its challenges and its blocks and so we've got to kind of carefully and do them um and so i've got to create an environment in which people feel able to take risks and make changes um hmm. so so yeah so it's it's really about 
finding people that resonate with with my teaching style, um, with who I am as a person, and also with the content that I'm delivering. Um, I'm very science based. I'm very technical based, and so I don't just we don't just go over songs. We actually get into the nitty gritty and the mechanics of everything. And my goal is to teach all of that to my client as quickly as possible, so they can, you know, go off and and be amazing. Yeah. Do you do you help? like mentally or physically load manage artists for their voice based on tours and schedules? Yeah. Do. Do, you, do you mean like, like, do I help them mentally prepare and that kind of thing? Is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, well, like, so, so, so well, I'm always just a, a sports guy. So Kawhi Leonard mm. plays for the Clippers now. One thing with Toronto, he's, he's the man. Um, he... F- totally load manages his entire um, schedule around like, I'm not going to play here. I am going to do this. I'm not going to do like, he's very different to a lot of the other players that will just go a hundred the entire time. You knowing where they're at in terms of their, I guess, vocal health, mm-hmm. do you never help them navigate those things based on schedules, timings of it's almost you'll be part counselor, past coach, part almost manager to, to help them survive. Cause I guess no well, voice, no money. Right. Yeah, part voice position, that's for sure. Like a lot of the work I do is about keeping people vocally healthy. Um, You know, if you're working every day, like singing or even if you're in the studio or you're gigging, whatever, like you're putting a lot of wear and tear on your your voice and your uh, vocal muscles. So um, there's a lot of work that goes into maintaining your health, but also, you know, um, I'm, I'm never front side of the show but I'm always backstage helping warming people up you know settling their minds going through it's yeah there's a whole aspect of it you know like getting in Mm. your mindset getting your game on uh, all of that stuff you know it's it's a broad yeah it's a broad and an exciting role that I get to play and it's really I'm really privileged that I get to be a part of these musicians lives really it's cool and then before we go I was going to ask you as well the the scale the, the time that you work with them is there like is there ways to package up that ip to put into like courses and stuff for others 101 that can get it done virtually is that quite of a is there quite a big um kind of virtual e-learning type type market out there for for those who are trying to get into singing that that people like yourself brand up and doing like like you know put out to the world is that a thing is that really a well, there's a lot of, you know, it's, I've been sitting with this for the last year because I've had a lot of requests for, um, you know, courses, online content, that kind of thing. And methodologies my first, and stuff. Yeah, my first response to the whole COVID thing was, how can I contribute? What can I put out? Mm. Um, but you know, one of one of my um, integral points is about the quality of of the, mm. the teaching. So you've got to ask yourself, like for for something that requires so much feedback like like you say you can see that knee angle from 100 meters away right so i can hear every every change in the voice but can your client so asking people to go online and learn in a one-sided process to me isn't acceptable so i'm definitely looking at ways that i can Mm. offer um offer services to more people but it's also got to be at the right quality otherwise you're setting people up for failure because as you know practice makes permanent not perfect so if they're doing repetitions at home and they and and actually that is one of the things i get a lot is people come to me and go i've just done this online course with x famous person online and i've got this voice problem so seeing people Ah. in person is really in in my opinion is fundamental for knowing that you're doing the job right you kind of wonder like there's always um i'm always intrigued on um 
though some that would say would be an unscalable business model with with time for money and i'm like no 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 well if you say if you could had to control variables like let's say okay if you go on my vocal course you have to t have a um you, you know for x amount of dollars you get the sure 7 smb mic with a usb into it and it's high the high frequency there cool you do this entire course then we have our weekly facebook live session with one to few then we have some one-on-ones like you just layer and layer and layer but all these different things are actually opportunity um you know do you then you know have them all you know singing into it becomes a safe group of trust to, to to go through and look at the octaves in real time like all these i always just wonder about how you like hey just shake that shit up and do it differently you know like all right you know because he's whenever someone says oh no we can't because i'm just like no no no, you can you just haven't gone wide enough yet and I said, yeah, I just wonder, in the second world, I don't know if it was a thing or not, like a big one in the marketing thing at the moment is everyone's selling the course to be a coach, to be a coach's coach for a coach yeah. coach. And then there's some guy there with a Lamborghini going, I did it with, it was easy. Here's my $5,000. He's like, fuck. So anyway, um, before we go, oh, sorry, you go. No, no, I just, I think it's all possible. I don't, I don't say no. I'm not saying no, it's not, not possible. Like one to many is totally, totally fine. It's about making sure that people get their work checked. That's the yeah. bottom line. And, I was and the same for you, but in general, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Before we go, I've got some advice. I need some advice. I need some help. Okay. 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 I can't sing. I'm not going to ask you about singing. But okay. what I have noticed, and it's, a, it's, got, <clears throat> it's a very serious question, is I've been doing these interviews, and basically mm -hmm. I've been talking shit nonstop every day for probably about five to six hours a day straight, like just talking yeah. shit. Yeah. And I got to last week, and I was like, man, I'm talking a lot. I need to maybe look out for my vocal health. What are some tips for my vocal health to make sure I can keep continuing this great quality of shit talk nonstop yeah. on all social panthers when it comes about the behind the scenes of business? Yeah. What can I do? We need you to keep entertaining the nation. Um, well, <laughs> you can drink more water. Like, so it's really important to stay hydrated because you're good, good. It's not water, but... <laughs> No, I know. I, I always have like a bottle of stuff on the go, whether it's water or not. Um, definitely got to stay hydrated because your body will not send uh, moisture, um, fluids to your vocal folds. It doesn't consider it important. It will send it everywhere else. So if you're slightly hydrated, your voice will suffer. That's the first thing. It doesn't matter how much tea and coffee you drink in the day. That doesn't count. Two to three liters is my recommendation. Now, um, the next thing you need to do is you need to not start cold. So if you have not warmed up your voice before you start talking in the morning, um, just some gentle humming and a little bit of sliding will help. So if you come on like a little bit of what? A little sliding. bit of humming, humming sliding, sliding around. Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Got it. Making some size, you know, just warming, warming up the vocal folds a little. Got it. They're covered in like this is this is particularly delicious they're covered in like a slippy layer of mucus so we need to lubricate them and keep them healthy you asked dude you okay. asked you getting the lesson i brought this on myself no keep going <laughs> totally and okay, the third so thing that i'm yes. going to tell you is that if you are getting if you're feeling tired vocally first of all you're going to call me up and i'm going to help you out with that but the second thing is you want to steam you want to breathe some steam because it helps put moisture back onto the vocal fold layers and that will clear out that kind of tiredness that you're feeling so what is oh, well, well, what, what is the steam what is the steam. What are, what's the steam so just boil the jug put some yep. hot water in the bowl and yep. put your head over it with a towel or the way i like to do it is with a cup and i just make like a little funnel with my hand yeah. and very carefully sip the steam and breathe it in 
and it puts moisture onto your vocal folds and it helps with that mucus layer. Does whiskey help or hinder this well, equation? Whiskey always helps, but not necessarily with your singing. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want to, okay. I think we got there. Um, this has been an insightful, interesting chat, Francis. I really appreciate it. I, the crossover between, yeah, um, just creatives in general in this new world of like that balance of, you know, creativity and commerce. It's such a, it's such a funky one. Um, yeah, it's been lovely to chat. And, you know, it's really interesting to see where everything's going to go. I just think we've got to innovate and we've got to keep talking to each other and mm. something will happen. No, appreciate it. Thanks heaps for your time, Francis. I'll talk to you soon. Pleasure. Take care. See ya. There you go. Tips. Hum. Warm up. Drink the steam. Just like that, team. I'll be doing this for, for days. See, now I'm, a, now I'm a pro. And for all those that have asked and wondering, I will never tell you what's in the cups. Never. It's pretty good, though.